Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Indeed, The Horn on a Tuesday, talking college football, Longhorns mapping out the next month ahead of a semifinal matchup with Washington. Here from Steve Sarkeesian coming up, there's going to be a Longhorn assistant doing double duty. He's got a head coaching job, always a good sign of a healthy program. When your assistant coaches are in demand around the country, that's happened. Also, the transfer portal is open. Uh, in addition to their starting quarterback, Ohio State was the biggest name in the transfer portal market yesterday. Amazing. As many as 11 Buckeyes into the portal for Ryan Day. What the heck's going on in Columbus? That's a fair question. We'll get to the details of that. Heisman Trophy finalists are out there. But, Rod, on the heels of the controversy of the weekend, and uh, you know, I think everybody feels bad for uh, Florida State, this, the odd man out, out, team out. Mm-hmm. We know the reasons for it. and been well documented. You and I both, I think, agreed yesterday both can be true uh, that the, you know they, they did their job uh, to what the letter of the rules are and whether the rules are ambiguous or not for the college football playoff committee um, you know Florida State was a uh, you know you know who's better uh, or Alabama or Florida State really is what it came down to mm-hmm. but we understand what the precedent that set and what, what that said to that team but uh, it harkens me back to this you know this the, we do this every year with four teams and there's a reason we're going to 12 finally Finally, 12 will alleviate some of this. It won't end controversy. But a team uh, with 12, a team like Florida State, who won their conference, went undefeated, will will, automatically automatically get it. This will never happen. The argument about 13 will be very different than the argument about four. And you could argue for 10 years. For for the 10 years of the CFP, the fact that it never happened before. They were lucky, right? There was just a – it never. I mean, we said over and over last – Last year, two teams who didn't win the conference got in. Mm-hmm. It's just year by year is unique, and uh, circumstances move. And uh, but it, but it reminds me I wanted to play this in just the facts because it's still just a, a great piece of audio and a great fact. This was the now late great Mike Leach back in 2017 opining about the uh, system we use in college football. You know, we're American. We love committees. Let's get us a committee. Well, who should be on the committee? Well, I don't know. This guy's a good guy. Let's have him on the committee. Well, I mean, there's people on the committee that don't even have remote associations with football, nor have they at any level other than being a fan. But you know what? Let's have them on a committee. Why not? And then we'll decide which four teams should go. Because you know why? We don't need to solve this on the field. Because we're the ones that know. And then, um, um, so, I mean, you know, if we're going to do it that way, we should just ask them at the beginning of the season, you know, just go ahead and you guys vote on it, figure out one, two, three, and four, and why, why even have the games? I mean, how can you, how can you call it a playoff when, when there's four teams? Uh, conference champions don't even necessarily make the playoffs. Because you know why? Because the committee knew better. <laughs> hey, Florida State feels that. Yeah. The committee knew better. Oh, man, a, a six-, seven-year-old piece of sound that still is and relevant all, today is uh, the day wisdom. he said it. Yep. Yeah. Look, let's have a committee. Well, he remember, I mean, it was Mike Leach that lobbied for the – he wanted 64 teams. He wanted as many teams. He, he said, make it like the uh, FCS playoff. Just make it – make it a playoff. 
We, we do this at the yeah, other level, guys. Is, yeah, he said, we have a model already. They actually do it. Let's just do it that at way. At two other levels of college football, we I'm, do it. I'm not to- I mean, he's, he makes perfect sense, but they're never going to do that. No, there was powers, politics, yeah. and everything mm-hmm. that goes on. We know that. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a beautiful piece of audio because oh, he amazing. went on to say, you know, do you think the other sports look around and go, you know how we should do it? We're doing it all wrong. <laughs> Let's come up with a committee. We should do it like that. <laughs> yeah, like NFL and the NBA. We, oh. That's how we should do it. They're, they've got this thing figured out. No, he's right about it. I don't know why, but, yeah, we do love a committee. We love us. Oh, man, we do it in city yeah. governments, state governments. Yeah, let, let, yeah, let's get a committee on that. Let's decide. get a committee on that. <laughs> We're going to need a committee to decide about the committee. We need a committee to decide who's going to be on the committee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> committee of the committee. Exactly. Good uh, stuff. Thank you. The that light. is fantastic. I hate that we no longer have Mike Leach. Oh, man. But you know what? That Thank God for YouTube and stuff like that because Mike Leach's <laughs> just wisdom will always live on, and we can just keep playing it for years to come. Pretty soon, kids will be like, who is that guy? And they're like, oh, we got to explain Mike Leach to the new yes. generation. Yes, yes, And that's, yes, and that's yes. a good thing, by the way. They should know about Mike thing. Leach. Uh, very, very good thing. Uh, love it very much. Uh, that's a that's a good that's a good piece of audio right that there. But uh, what do we have coming up in the rant there, Rod? First rant of two today. Uh, I think we'll get into a little bit of Cowboys. We'll talk about Dak Prescott and his uh, MVP candidacy a little bit, and we'll talk some Texans as well. We haven't talked enough Texans and Cowboys, so we'll just throw in some Cowboys Texans conversation and Deron Bland with his uh, his. I don't know if his uh, defensive player of the year candidacy lasted longer than like a week or two because against Seattle uh, they they went after Deron Bland. I'll talk about why they went after and what the adjustment was. Mike, uh, Dan Quinn talked about what the adjustment for them was in that game where they decided to go after the run bland. And it happens. I actually, you know what? We'll do that in the rant. Actually. Just do the Cause rant. Because I, I want to, I'll connect that to Texas too. There's some Longhorn fans that were critical of one of my favorite defenders for Texas. And it's something very similar going on. I'll talk about that. All right. And the transfer portal and the rest of a busy day in college football. Let's get to the top stories though. Headlines uh, lead us off. Top Gun Reynolds and Lot Equipment bring you the top stories. Make sure you're fully in the know as you're up and out. Third-ranked Horns, as we said, now mapping out the next month ahead of their national semifinal matchup with second-ranked Florida, or excuse me, Washington in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day evening. After the announcement of their inclusion in the CFP for the first time ever, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian spoke about the achievement and said this weekends like this past one are exactly why he came to Austin and took the Texas job. That's why I came here. I was referencing this the other day that there became a point when I was at Alabama when, all right, I'm going to be a head coach again, and I want to go somewhere where I have a legitimate chance to win championships. And when this opportunity came, to me, this was the no-brainer because I know what this place can do. And I, and I understand there's high expectations and, and, uh, and, and a high standard here for winning championships, but that's why I came here. As for the plan moving forward, Sark says the team will, they already celebrated a banquet that they had on Sunday to celebrate the Big 12 championship and their team for the year. Now the players will take a couple of weeks off while finishing up the semester academically. Texas coaches will begin navigating the transfer portal and recruiting with the early signing window opening on the 20th of December. Uh, and at least one Texas assistant will be handling more than that. Co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach Jeff Choate was officially introduced yesterday as head coach at Nevada, uh, Wolfpack program out in Reno. Choate says he does plan to split his duties between Texas and Nevada for the next month and explain how his plan to balance will work. And it's not really about me. It's about providing consistency for the players on the defensive side of the ball so that when we go into install meetings or we go to practice, the rhythm of their day is the same. And so the balancing act is really going to be once we start bowl practices. The good news is I'll pretty much be here rocking and rolling until the 15th. We're not practicing until the 15th. And so I think it'll be the, you know, there's going to be some long days. 
Um, but I think the right thing to do is to, is to provide consistency and stability for the guys in the program there and finish the mission at Texas. And then pick up his duties in uh, Reno. As mentioned, NCAA transfer portal open yesterday. Flurry of activity through a couple of uh, Longhorns. Uh, reported inside Texas safety, Jalen Catalan has entered his name into that portal, as has redshirt freshman defensive back Xavion Bryce. Biggest surprise nationally came in Columbus where Ohio State starting quarterback Kyle McCord announced he's exploring his options elsewhere. Threw for 3,170 yards, 24 touchdowns in his first full season as the Buckeyes starting quarterback. They went 11-0 before losing to Michigan in the regular season finale. He was one of a slew of Ohio State players who entered the portal on day one. He'll be one of the hottest prospects in the market, joining Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel, Duke's Riley Leonard, Washington's Cam Ward, UCLA's Dante Moore, Ohio State's DJ Uyunglele and Kansas State's Will Howard is starting signal callers who have jumped into the portal so far. Uh, three quarterbacks and a wide receiver, your Heisman Trophy finalist. That was announced yesterday. LSU's Jaden Daniels, Oregon's Bo Nix, Washington's Michael Penix, along with Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. headed to New York for this weekend's ceremony. One of those uh, young men will win. Uh, college football's Player of the Year honor. Shocker on Monday Night Football to wrap up Week 13. Bengals backup quarterback Jake Browning was tremendous. He led Cincinnati to a 34-31 win over Jacksonville in Jacksonville. A bigger concern for the Jags now, not just the loss, the health of their starting quarterback. Uh, he suffered a right ankle injury late in the fourth quarter. The loss will be reevaluated today. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. That was the first time that the Jags were a double-digit favorite since 2018. Don't trust the Jags. And they lost. (laughs) First time. It was the first night game as a double-digit favorite since 1999. And they lost that game, mostly because of their defense. And how about this? The Bengals, prior to that game, the Bengals won in 25 straight up in road and neutral games over the last 25 years prior to that game. Well, Jake Browning was 32 of 37, 354 and a tutty. And uh, Jamar Chase was huge. Uh, what did he finish lit, up with? He lit that defense up. Well, Jamar Chase, 11 catches, a buck 50, and a touchdown. Uh, they had a couple big conversions on that third down there, the drive to go kick the field goal in overtime to T. Higgins. Um, it's just, you know. Undrafted Jake Browning. Think about this. Jake Browning, first undrafted player in the, in the common era draft which is basically your Super Bowl era since 67, I believe it was, though, to throw for 350 passing yards and complete 85% of his passes in a game. He was a, he was lights <laughs> out. And give Zach Taylor, the coach, credit. They built a great game plan. They and, did, man. And Jacksonville's defense was just weak. I mean, um, it's, it's not supposed to be It's almost that like a weak, flat though. performance because, I man, they beat Houston last week, and that was a really good game, but their defense was a lot better against the Texans up yeah. last week. Um, you know, C.J. Stroud still put up some numbers, but they won that game. They were – they couldn't get off the field last night against uh, the Bengals in a backup QB. And that injury, if you didn't see it for Trevor Lawrence, it doesn't look good. I mean, I don't think it's anything that's going to, you know. He's going to be out all season. But he'll be out a week at well, least. Well, at this point in December, if you're out a couple, three weeks, he's gonna be that's out huge. Yeah, maybe two. Well, so he was, yeah. he was, he was planted his left foot to, to, to throw. And his left tackle, Walker Little, Longhorn fans remember Walker Little coming oh, out of Houston, a mm-hmm. big-time recruit with Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but Greg Robinson, their starting left tackle in Jacksonville, got hurt. So now he's the backup, and he's playing. And he got pushed back into Trevor. And so he stepped on Trevor's foot. This was Trevor was putting the foot down to plant. He stepped on it. And so then he got knocked down awkwardly. Ooh. So not only did he, he twist it one way, yeah. then he got bent backwards on it. His yeah. own body weight came back on top of him. So, yeah, it, he couldn't put any weight on it. It was uh, – you know, 
shot crowd was, oh my gosh, I oh, mean, no, that was a gasp. Yeah. So they say it's a sprained ankle, but it looked to be two different. Severely sprained, you would say? Possibly two different ankle injuries because it was the the step on was a twist one way. And then as he bent backwards under his own body weight and the other players, you could see him grimacing. It depends on how high it is, too. Yeah. The higher that thing is, the worse it is. So that was was a bad blow for them. And that's a bad blow for the league. One of your your young uh, quarterbacks, your young guns is out. And I count now, if he's going to be out, and based on the description of my E, I'm assuming he's going to miss at least a week. That that'll make fifteen teams, damn near half the league now, that has played a backup quarterback or played multiple quarterbacks. If he does miss next week, and we assume that he will, you got six teams that have started at least three quarterbacks to go to the third quarterback. You've had two teams have to go to fourth quarterbacks. Yeah. So far this season, and guys, we're in what week thirteen? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. No, it's, it's getting ugly. And last year, you set a record for different starting quarterbacks. Well, and and the war of attrition continues, right? I mean. Uh, you know, this will separate Jacksonville. I mean, I, I think they've shown they're not, you know, ready to be a part of that, you know, elite stuff, part of the AFC. Uh, but they were trying to join Miami and Baltimore at 9-3 and three last night. They didn't do it, so they're 8-4. and four. They joined Kansas City in the 8-4 and four group. And then it's – so now it's Baltimore and, uh, and Miami at 9-3. and three. But, the, the, you know, however long Trevor Lawrence is out, they play at Cleveland this week. Cleveland's one of the 7-5 and five teams playing with a backup quarterback. And then they play Baltimore. The following week, so if Jackson, if he were to miss two games, they could drop two straight, and all of a sudden they're away. And you know, Houston and Indianapolis are trying to trace him down in the South. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big injury to keep your eye on. And C.J. Beathard is their backup quarterback, by the way. C.J. Beathard, everybody's favorite Iowa Oh, yeah, Hawkeye. he was with uh, the San 49ers Francisco, for a yeah. while. Um, but four of the seven current AFC playoff teams <clears throat> are on backup quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> and it's not Miami and not Baltimore. And if I had told you prior to the season that that was going to be the case, you'd have been like, oh, well, definitely one of them's Tua. Yeah. One of them's Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Not the case. But that's why they're both leading the division. I'm sorry, leading the conference. Well, look at the NFC. I mean, Hurts, uh, Purdy has stayed healthy. Dak, Jared Goff, they've stayed healthy. And yeah. those are your you know, top four teams. Right. Uh, real quick before we go to the rant, I mentioned the transfer portal in Ohio State, not just Kyle McCord. How about this? Into the transfer portal yesterday, five-star wide receiver Julian Fleming, five-star quarterback Kyle McCord, four-star running back Evan Pryor, four-star safety Cam Martinez, four-star defensive end Omari Abor, four-star linebacker Reed Carrico, four-star safety Kyle Stokes, four-star cornerback Jair Brown, four-star cornerback Ryan Turner, three-star offensive lineman Jacob James, and three-star guard This is all from Ohio State. All at Ohio State. That's a well. I mean, honestly, just one team who's going to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it is hard these days, right? Because everybody's dealing with these numbers, right? Everybody's had got to deal with this now. It's just a new era, and so attrition is just naturally baked in. But there, I think there are healthy. We can get into this in Rosh Hashanah today. There are there's healthy attrition, and then there's the kind of unhealthy attrition, and you don't know unless they're trying to churn out the roster. They may be, you know, forcing these guys out, but they may be hinting. Um, you know well, there's what I mean? Two, yeah, to there's get, two streets there, right? To get half of these guys out at least and like, hey, man, we, we, we're bringing in upgrades here, so you yeah. need to go. Well, Kyle, that, that, that could be Kyle McCord, right? People in Ohio State are wondering why the guy was that good, but he did throw two big picks in the Michigan game or is he the scapegoat or has Ryan Day told him, look, we're, we're going to look to upgrade. Uh, we're going to look at yeah. uh, one of these top yeah, so guys. You know, you're not guaranteed to be the starter here when you come back. You could if you improve, but you ain't guaranteed to get You're not guaranteed. And, yeah. uh you know, he's a good quarterback. He's not C.J. Stroud. I think Buckeye fans would tell you that. And, you know, when you're looking at the market, you know, if there's a guy like Cam Ward from Washington State, from Cleveland, Texas in there. Is he an upgrade? Well, it, from, from well, 
Yeah, I think he would be. Okay. Like, well, the other name to watch there is UCLA's Dante Moore. Do UCLA? He's, he's from Michigan. Player. Remember, he's from Detroit. Okay. He's a five-star kid who went to UCLA. He's into yeah. the portal. There's some thought that he wants to come back to the Midwest. All right, there you go. And that would be an upgrade. That's an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, it's really interesting. I saw because um, I was looking at a uh, Sports Source Analytics. Uh, they they do a breakdown of all the the transfer portal stuff too, um, and it was a record day for the transfer portal. Just in that 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 first day, it was like a thousand players had entered the transfer portal already. Well, and we know more than half of those guys won't actually find a spot. And that's the unfortunate thing is that everybody's Grass jumping early. Isn't always greener. Yeah, they're jumping in early because they know that hey man, they're they could lose a spot or not get a spot, but. Yeah, if, if teams are looking, and now they have their own basically personnel departments within these major college football programs, and they're just treating it like an NFL team. They're just trying to, and, and it's inextricably linked, all right, to NIL, and they're looking at it like, hey, budgets for these positions and these athletes. And where um, we need to upgrade and where we need a roster spot. Look, yeah. uh, you know, once Deion Sanders did what he did last year, it's kind of fair game now. They used to be kind of frowned upon to, to kick guys out essentially or cut them. Or tell them, hey. J.J. Kenny did a good job of it, too. Uh-huh. Uh, but Dion got the national headlines yeah. after spring practice telling a bunch of guys, hey, go ahead and get out. Yeah, he, he made a video <laughs> of it. <laughs> Talking about bringing in his own luggage and stuff. So in the changing landscape of football, it's like, okay, well, that used to be frowned upon, but guess not anymore. Not anymore. I need to build my roster. Can uh, we go to Rod's rant of the day? Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, we'll get back to uh, the Cowboys and the Texans. I want to stay with the transfer portal conversation that we're having right now because it's really interesting. Um, in the stat I gave earlier, and this was this is a stat that is old now, so it probably has doubled by this number. But at the at the start of the um, the transfer portal, um, I'm talking about when it obviously opened yesterday. Um, there were a thousand players that entered the transfer portal just yesterday when the portal opened officially. Uh, that shattered the previous single-day record, which was, I believe, 775. So they're way over 1,000 players in the transfer portal now, and it is uh, going to continue to break records. I mean, that's just – I can't believe – I can't wait to see the last numbers, but they're going to be something mind-blowing. And I think that's because every school has got to deal with it now. And even Texas, right, they're having their best season in the last 15 years, and Jalen Catalan's in the transfer portal – and Xavier Bryson transfer portal. You got two safeties in the transfer portal. Strangely enough, where you know you would think there'd be heavy competition, right? You got Jaron Thompson that's going to end up leaving. Um, Keaton Crawford's going to end up leaving at safety. Uh, you got Taff and you got Derek Williams. But obviously, with the rotation they have, there's playing time there. But guys are leaving. Guys want their opportunity to play elsewhere. Greener pastures for a lot of green, straight cash, homie, that kind of thing. So everybody's got to deal with attrition. And so there's, I think, healthy attrition and unhealthy attrition. I think the healthy attrition, and both of these takes, you know, some documenting, and I think you got to track it, and thankfully there are resources to do so. If your players that are leaving your program are leaving your program and they're dropping down in a, the level of competition, so you're at a Power 5 program like Texas, <clears throat> and the guys that are – exiting your program or dropping down to group of fives and to FCS levels and division two and division three levels of play. 
um, then maybe your evaluations were way off. Um, because your players aren't coveted, they aren't wanted by other Power 5 programs. That's unhealthy attrition. That means you need to get those guys off your roster and churn out and upgrade your roster. If you have healthy attrition, to me the healthy attrition would be the type of attrition where guys are leaving your program, but those athletes are coveted and they are considered athletes that could translate to another Power 5 program and end up playing and getting a lot of playing time. And for for Texas, last transfer portal cycle, they had a lot of healthy attrition. Um, last transfer portal cycle, um, nearly 60% of their players who transferred out went to other Power 5 schools. And you had nearly, if you go include the, the group of five, you had nearly 78% of your transfers from the last transfer cycle uh, for Texas football that ended up in a power five school or a group of five school. That's pretty, that's good attrition. It's like, you know, that bad cholesterol and good cholesterol. There's good attrition and bad attrition. That's good attrition. That means your guys, you, you, your evaluations weren't off. They weren't way off. You just wanted to upgrade that position and upgrade that roster. That probably wasn't the case in Sark's first year, but it was definitely the case last season. Honestly, it's kind of like, I always tell people this, when I you know, hang out or get a chance to see any of my exes or something like that, I hope they're doing really well. <laughs> right? I, I root for them to do really well. Hope they're killing it at whatever job they have. Hope they got a great, beautiful family. Hope she got all the kids she wants and found a great man. I don't want to see my exes doing bad. Some people find satisfaction in their exes uh, suffering or you know, being miserable or being unhappy. I don't. Right? I, want my, I want my exes to be really successful because that tells me I had good taste. <laughs> I had good evals, good evaluations. <laughs> hey, they, they didn't make it with me, but, hey, they still found success in their job away from me. That means they, even the experience they had with me, it still was positive for them. Right? And like I said, hey, I like, a, I like to know that my exes can go on to still become you know, CEOs and can still be really successful in life. I don't want to see an ex is like, oh, man, she went to jail because she stabbed uh, one of her ex-boyfriends. Uh, like, I don't want to hear that story. That's not a good story for me. Right? Uh, no, that means my evaluation was off. That means I chose a crazy one that <laughs> didn't have any prospects or ambition. No, I want my exes to still really do well, and I think you have the same approach if you're a Longhorn fan about the transfer portal. You want your exes to do really well because that's going to reflect well on you and your evaluation, and your taste, all right, in those particular athletes, and their experience with you, because that's your culture, right? Guys are leaving your program and going elsewhere, and they're, uh, you know, losing their love for the game or their passion for the game, or they don't have great football knowledge, so they're not coveted and not wanted by other programs, and they can't contribute to other Power 5 programs. To me, that reflects badly on your evaluations and bringing guys in, and you're not developing talent. So that's how I look at it. And I, this transfer portal cycle, I think you'll look at it the same way. Healthy attrition, unhealthy attrition. And every program is going to be a little bit different there. For Texas, I think they'll have a lot of healthy attrition because they have a really talented roster, one of the most talented rosters in the country. Yeah. That's my transfer portal take. Yeah. And, uh, and look, I think even with the Texas, right, I mean, Xavion Bryce was a – Get out of Arlington that we hadn't seen much of the field, and as we talked about, don't don't be surprised on Monday if the Longhorns have some guys that you know the names that are in the portal that kind of can see where their their playing time is going to not be there in the future, yeah. and you know you got players at his position coming in another crop of 
you know, highly recruited freshmen are coming in. Sark and the staff have shown they will play young guys. I mean, I think a guy like Xavier Bryce is a is a healthy example of the transfer portal that, you know, may, you know, he's a year, you know, registered freshman, so he's two years into his experience and he hadn't played much and. Now you're, I mean, Longwoods are still in pursuit of a five-star corner in Kobe Black, a five-star safety in Xavier Philsame, and, you know, they're not going to stop bringing in good players, and, you know, he can go find a spot to play. There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, Division One programs, and we'll see. That's a good thing. He wants to play. I mean, you went, I mean, if, Rod, if, you, were, if you went to, to Texas, which you did, and all of a sudden you're looking up and you're not playing. Um, yeah, exactly. You, everybody wants to go to the NFL, but you can't go to the NFL if you don't get to play yeah. at the college and level. And if you don't get, you still want to have the, you still want to play college football if you have yeah, the I'm ability somewhere. And I think that's. I mean, look, there's a, are, are there negatives to the transfer portal? Sure, um, but we got a guy texting me saying that are you paying attention to how this is killing the sport of college football? Is uh, it? Yeah, I'm like, well, is what, it really? That's what I said to him. What's your evidence? It's killing the sport. Yeah, look at all the quarterback. Look at your, <laughs> half your quarterbacks now in the college football playoff at the elite level are transfer portal quarterbacks. Quinn's a transfer portal quarterback. Michael Penix Jr. transfer portal quarterback. Michael Penix Jr. had. Two ACL injuries, all right, early on in his career. He got hurt three years in a row. Got hurt his freshman year, got hurt his sophomore year, and got hurt again, all right, the next year. And basically the, the Indiana program said, man, we, we can't depend on you. You are winning the starting job every offseason, but we got to move on. Because yeah. you I think, and, I, and so they moved on. But what was he supposed to do? He's like, "Yep, yeah, I'm a good player. I'm winning the starting job. I just I can't stay durable enough to make it through an entire season. Goes with Kalen DeBoer. Finds his home at Washington and win-win. I mean, Kalen DeBoer needs a quarterback. He was already familiar with him. And now, as long as he's healthy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. That's, that's, that's a lot that of the transfer portal that. allowed that to happen. He wouldn't have had that opportunity without the transfer portal. No. Uh, agreed. Uh, you know, and Adonai Mitchell for the Texas Longhorns was on a national championship team. Decided he wanted to come back home to Texas. Mm-hmm. Or he's got a young child and uh, play for the Longhorns. I mean, that, that's not – look, I understand you, you, words matter. You can't say it's killing the sport. You may not like it. It's changing. It may be different than you want it to be as a fan. And it's changing your experience with the game. But there's no metric that tells you that anything is being killed in college football. The ratings have never been higher. No. You know, stadiums exactly are sold right. out across the country. Yeah. You know, have you seen the crowds for college game day and Fox Big Noon? It's never been more popular yeah. than this year. Uh, so I, I don't see the evidence that it's killing the game. You can be frustrated with it. Is it 100% healthy for the game? You know, I think it, it still needs some more guidelines yeah. I was and say, guardrails. Yeah. There you and, go. And then I'm, I advocate and that's, for that. That's on the NCAA more so than anything. One hundred percent. And then the, the the combination of it and the uh, the NIL is obviously a huge challenge that everyone's trying to get their hands around. But is it really killing the game? I think that would be your individual opinion, and that's fine to have. We'll come back when we do. Uh, but there's got to be evidence that it's actually killing the game because I don't know that that is. That's pretty strong. Yeah, it's pretty strong. <laughs> uh, one more last little nugget. So we're talking about the transfer portal. Um, when you when they tracked which FBS teams had the most outgoing transfers that they consider significant contributors at other FBS schools. That means at least four starts or 200-plus snaps in 2023. Texas was third behind Florida and Mississippi. So, uh, and that, so Texas had the most out, outgoing transfers to contribute to other FBS programs. Healthy attrition. Yeah. Maybe didn't fit your system, weren't Whatever. fit for your culture. Yeah. 
And they're, but they're going, as you said, going playing. They're going playing at other Power 5. At least most of them, like right. 60% of them going to other Power 5 programs like programs like Texas. Well, this texture points out three of the four Heisman finalists are transfers <laughs> this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I don't know if it's ruining. I, I think it's very different, and some, some people just don't like that kind of change. Absolutely. And I, and I understand that. Uh, we will come back, uh, you know, but, but by the way, that doesn't mean it's not the right thing for players to have some freedom and some autonomy over their college I'm, careers. I'm thinking of it as a player and I was like, I would love to have had that option. I didn't need it. But, man, it would have given me a lot of comfort to have that option as a player that, hey, man, if it doesn't work out here, it's okay. Yeah. Hey, we'll come back. When we do, it's uh, more of this conversation. Also, some uh, bullish or BS for the end of the hour. Uh, Cowboys, huge game this weekend. Texans now back in the mix with Jacksonville. We're all over that. Plus, college football can't, uh, uh, can't get enough of it. Talk about with Ian Rodby. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Bullish or BS before the top of the hour, including who should and who will win the Heisman Trophy on Saturday. We just mentioned three of the four finalists are transfer quarterbacks. The only one not a transfer through the portal was Marvin Harrison Jr., with Bo Nix from Auburn to Oregon, Michael Penix from Indiana to uh, Washington, as you mentioned, and mm-hmm. Uh, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from uh, what was it Arizona State? To oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, forget about uh, that LSU. Yeah, uh, but the, the same guy who mentioned he's a good dude. We're just having a debate. He says the transfer portal is killing college football by skimming the best talent and sending it to the most visible programs at the moment, mm-hmm. which works for teams like Texas, Alabama, and Georgia. But you know. Uh, here's where I would disagree. Um, you know, sure. I mean, there's going to be some. I mean, there were guys. That, I mean, it was pretty amazing watching the SEC championship game. How many guys left the Georgia program to go play at Alabama, who are now playing against Georgia for the championship? <laughs> several guys. I mean, I mean the yeah. receiver, um, Jermaine Burke. I mean, several receivers and a linebacker. I mean, Adonai Mitchell left. I mean, when you recruit like Georgia does, there's so many good players. Mm-hmm. They can't all play. No. So good players can leave and still go play at a place like Texas or. You know, Alabama, I would also cite the fact that, uh, you know, G.J. Kinney at Texas State hit the portal heavy, brought in guys who were not happy where they were and weren't playing where they were. They dropped down a little bit, and now they're playing for a bowl game with seven and five. Yeah. That's a healthy experience for that young guy that got to go play uh, and, and play in a, in, a, in a dynamic young system. And, you know, so it's not just not, – it's not true to say that all the players are moving to the best programs. That's not true. Yeah. It's actually spreading the wealth around a little bit. It's actually – yeah, it's kind of a recalibration, right? Um, because, as you just pointed out, there are misevaluations everywhere. There are misevaluations. Guys end up at Texas State that could have played at Texas. And they go, well, you know what? That guy's a really good player. Sorry, Texas State. You're not going to have him that long. But then on the other end, like you just pointed out, there are guys playing at major Power 5 programs at, like, Baylor or Texas. There were misevaluations and probably shouldn't be playing at that level. Yeah. And then that guy ends up dropping down. You go find him and go, you know what, man? I know it didn't work out for you in Texas, but you can come here. You would be a straight-up star. 
in our, yes. in our program within our in our system. So it's just, it kind of a recalibration, like you said, it does kind of re, it re- reallocates a lot of those resources. So I think for the misevaluations, the ones that were overevaluated and the guys that were underevaluated, the transfer portal helps recalibrate that. And let's also it, right? not helps re- equalize that. Let's not revise history of how we got to the transfer portal. The portal was created by coaches being dictatorial and not allowing freedom of movement among no. players. Yeah. They wanted to control a young guy's college career because they didn't they didn't want to let him go. How many times have we gosh, I've done this for so long, but it can be so trusted. many in basketball and football oh, that, yeah. You know, they and would they, go to try they, to get a waiver. And they, they, they choose to ruin their careers, E. Yes. If they, if they couldn't be like, I'll just ruin your career or you won't play ever again yes. unless you play for me. And it's like, what? Yeah. But I'm not playing for you, Coach. No, I, I don't, don't like it here. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I don't like you. I don't want to play here. Why am I forced to do so? This is not professional. I'm not being paid for this. And it's not the Army. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, exactly. Um, you know, exactly right. This is my college experience, Same right? Point. It's not uh, yours. And you know, and that was – look, that was the tipping point. There were – and it's all, everything for the NCAA goes back to lawsuits. There were enough of these that it was like – Really? You're really going to hold up a player because – Spite? Spite? Because you're upset <laughs> they didn't do it your way? And so that yeah. led to the portal. Let's be honest about that. That's right. And so they took I'd, it out of their hands. And I'll be you can go back and find the tape. I said it in the real time. You guys are going to lead to this because you're not being fair with young people. Uh, let them go. And now, look, I understand now that there's not a sit-out period, uh, which the NCAA has also gotten rid of, uh, that there were coaches who wouldn't even let a kid leave if he was going to go sit out for a yeah, year. They would. It's like, what are you all doing? Yeah. And guess what? That's why the portal now goes through the uh, compliance office. You don't even go through coaches. You don't have to the talk coaches to don't coach. find out about it until they're in the portal. That's like, right. Oh, he's in the portal. All you got to do is go down to the compliance office, say, I want my name in the portal. Once you're in the portal, mm-hmm. you can be contacted by other coaches. And that was to take it out of the coach's hands. Because they were they were trying to they were using that approval that waiver oh right? with leverage oh, yeah. power all that you know adults do to young people a lot where yeah. it's like no no let, and yeah so to say it's killing the game that happened or for ruining decades, the game guys. that was decades, decades of that yes yeah, so. this is one this is what we'll be on three years of this three years yeah it can't can't be ruining the game uh, but it's I would changing also look changing. At, and the stubbornness from the NCAA on. You know, paying players and including them in the pot of money. Oh, you mean being progressive uh, and modernizing? Yeah, year, your, after your, year after year after year. Process yeah. and the the you know dictatorial nature of the transfer rules led to all this. And so, it's shame on the coaches, shame on the industry, shame on. And so, yes, is it? Would we all agree that it's happening a little bit, you know, fast and without much structure? Yeah, a hundred percent. But that's their fault too. That is. Because they just, you know, it got to a point where it had to be forced upon them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're just throwing their hands up saying, well. Well, because you know, they don't have the lawyers. They don't. Uh, the lawyers are on the other side now working. Because lawyers see more money on, like, the player side right. of this thing with NIL and with the universities. So they're not on the NCAA side. And they keep going to court and keep litigation is basically what's causing the NCAA sure. to have this very laissez-faire and, attitude. And trust this. me when I say this, I'm not sitting here presenting that it's all perfect and it's some utopia now. No, it needs some help. I mean, it does. But uh, that's also, you know, why we're talking about what changes can be made. Same time, I do think – but the, to say it's killing the game, you could say it's going to kill the game. You if, can make that they, prediction. If it continues on this path. You can make that prediction. But oh, it's not yeah. – currently, the game's never been more popular. And I didn't see any evidence this year watching college football that the game has been diminished at all. It's actually been better. Yeah. I think that what, what – Higher the, quality of, of – of game. I totally agree. I think what the texture is getting to, and I, I don't know if this was – this is unavoidable. This is probably inevitable because Mac Brown was talking about this when he was here and how upsetting it was. He was talking about it as it relates to support staff, the separation of the half and the half-nights. And there are those who are looking at college football now with realignment, with transfer portal, with NIL, <laughs> right, and saying to themselves, guys, 
the little guy has no shot. They had they had a, they had a very small, slim chance before the little guy, but now the power five. Yeah, you guys said it. You guys called them the power five and the group of five, right? It was really hard for them to penetrate into main that kind of the, the obviously the mainstream competition of college football before all these uh, different changes in the landscape shifted dramatically. But now all of these changes are advantageous to the power five, but not necessarily to the group of five. I do agree there's a recalibration of the resources in terms of the talent, but we're talking about, I think they're looking at it from every, at, at, on a macro level with all the changes and saying, guys, they're screwed. The, the lower levels, they're going to have to play a different, they're basically be playing a different brand of football and a different sport in about 20 years. It'll yeah. be a different sport. Sure, 100%. And yeah, it still it, needs <laughs> leadership and guidance that yes. it doesn't have right now. Yeah. But let's also say, you know, bring it back to Epicenter here at Texas. You know, I, you know we, I think we've said this for several years since we've been covering him, but the Longhorns are lucky to have Steve Sarkeesian because he is a progressive coach. Yes, he is. He is a coach who may not like things but doesn't, you know, get his you know, neck gonna, boat up about it. Yep. Uh, and, you know, he's taken the time, and he's talked about it openly. He's, he's intentionally and deliberately built a culture that keeps players, right? And that's how you have to do it now. I mean, you can't be like you used to be. You, you have to evolve with the game and understand, well, if I want to keep my locker room healthy uh, in this day and age, uh, I've got to go to work every day to know my team be genuine with my team and be open with my team. Our friend Colonel Craig Flowers talks about it all the time in, in elite leadership. It's, um, you know, no, um, no trust follow, right? I mean, your challenge, right? You can't, you can't challenge a player to, to go, go beyond his limits until he knows you care about him, right? No care, no care challenge is what yeah, the, the three right words that. are. Yeah. And, and give your head coach at Texas credit. He has taken the steps to build a program, and it's why – when, when, when someone that you have a, a, a relationship with knows you care about them, you can then challenge them. You, it's hard to challenge someone who doesn't think you care about Mike them. Mike McDaniel talked the, about that right? recently, too. So no care challenge. And Sark has built that over a short, I mean, a three-year period. But it, you can't, it, it can't be denied that guys, and how many stories have we talked about? Malik Murphy staying. You know, Jonathan Brooks staying to develop. All the guys who were here for five and seven who stayed to be a part of it. And look at the portal now. There's a couple guys in it right now for the long ones. There may be more later. But the, 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 the history of the portal with Sark tells you that guys want to be in this program. They do. Um, and they want to, to stay in this program. That's really – so if coaches out there are mad about it and don't like it, that's kind of what you I – mean, that's not kind of that's – the, that's the blueprint. You have to build a genuine program where the players within it feel like there's a good culture for them and they're cared about. Yep. Yeah, and if you care about them, you want what's best for them, and sometimes that is support. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> sometimes that's like healthy, that, too. That's yeah. healthy. You know, look, I'm going to be honest with you, guy. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the other thing that Sark has done like a good leader is he's demanded the same of his position coaches. Like, they, you know, the message has to be the same. Yeah. I can't say one thing, and then you go into your position coaches meeting, and you're, you're not the same. Well, and Sark has also said, as it relates to the portal, once you're in the portal, you're, you're in. You don't come back. Remember, we've had several times. Oh, Tom 100%. Herman allowed the guys, once you go into the portal, you can also come back. And I think that happens with a lot of universities. But he has stated that his po- strict policy is once you have into the portal, once you have talked to compliance and you're in, you don't get to come back. And I think that goes to what you're saying about the culture he established, that I only want guys who want to be here. If you don't want to be here and you're unsure about it, then you do need to go yeah, to the portal. I'm not going to beg you to come back. I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I don't have time to player. re-recruit you. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to be here, there are lots of guys that want to be here that are really good players, and I, that helps our culture. That everybody wants to be here at the University of Texas. So you're right about that. He's, yeah. he's got a unique approach to it. I think it's a modern approach to it, though. You have to have that. But I think Because the players have too much power now. You I, al- <laughs> I also think it's an example for uh, 
you know, any, any leader, you know, family at home with kids or, uh, you know, anybody. That's, that's kind of the model you have to follow. I mean, it, it, you, 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 you can't challenge your you know, people around you if they, unless they don't know that you care about them. Uh, period. Uh, that's going to fall on deaf ears. It really is. You mean Garcesian? Yes. Garcesian, I mean, I mean that guy. Sorry. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> that guy. I'll Gar- get that right at some point. Garcesian. <laughs> oh, man. We got to make that an all-time drop. Garcesian. Uh, oh, Brett Yormark, the gift that keeps on giving. That's fantastic. We're, we're going to miss him next year, aren't we? I like Brett Yormark. I know Longhorn fans hate him. I oh, like I, him. I I've been saying a, that for a while. I think he's a visionary commissioner. I like him. I've been saying that for a long time. The Longhorn fans don't, but I, I think he actually has done a lot of good in a short amount of time for the Big 12. Leadership, as we know, it is, uh, it's, it's rare you get good leadership, especially at that high level, at the conference commissioner level. Ask the Pac-12 about good leadership. Ask the ACC about good leadership or lack thereof. Trust me, they'd love to have a Brett Yormark. mark. <laughs> if they could get it. That's exactly right. And to wrap up the Sark, or the Gark, the Gark, what's our home? Gark. The, the Gark. Garcesian. Garcesian. <laughs> we'll find that cut if you've missed it. Uh, we'll, we'll reset that. But, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't take long to compare what, you know, the Sark's leadership style and culture building with the previous coach who said he wanted that alignment, who said he wanted these things. But you, you have to be intentional about it. That's the point. You can't just say it. It can't be rhetoric. And, you know, Herman had bad relationships with pretty much everybody by the end. And they – you know why? Because they genuinely didn't think he cared about them. And that's the crazy thing about the Tom Herman, though. Genuinely, he he gets in trouble because of the eyes of Texas, which he was trying to be pro player. Yes, he was. He, that was his intention was to be he even went against his boss, <laughs> CDC, and against what the, the coaches and the, the administration had agreed on in terms of the handling of the eyes of Texas because he wanted to be pro player. He thought he was being pro player, and then it just blew up in his face. And that's because I think it was a lack of leadership. There should have been a plan. I said, if I'm jump, he needed to have a plan. The guys wanted a plan, a true plan, where they were all on the same page and they could, as a team, make a gesture. But his lack of a plan, being pro pro player he allowed everybody to do their own thing and that was not good everybody doing their own thing bad everybody doing one thing on the same page that was good and texas didn't have that with tom herman yeah. when it came to the eyes of texas sorry you know i think it had been a little bit different in terms of his approach 100 percent. yeah uh, and i also think it was kind of too little too late i think the players at that point kind of saw that as phony like you know come on now you want to come be on our team come on now yeah come on now uh but either way uh, it didn't work it didn't work it didn't work because <laughs> um, it wasn't genuine like you said it wasn't authentic it was not and uh that but that's you know that starts every day and i, I appreciate sark for you know laying that out because it is and it's a lesson for everybody because i don't i mean we do i do ever do it every day I, I should think about it and being intentional with the people around me and uh, that's important. I think uh, Sark has set a good example for that. Uh, in addition to being, you know, Big 12 champs and playing for a, for a national championship. Yes, sir. Uh, but I think they kind of go hand in hand. We'll come back. When we do, we'll pick up the Bullisher BS. I want Rod and Ty's thoughts on who should win the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night and who will win the Heisman Trophy. Also, Bullisher BS, other topics around the landscape. Let's hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Texas football conversation continues and will continue uh, all month long with the Longhorns now dealing with the portal, dealing with uh, recruiting and National Signing Day. Two weeks from tomorrow will be the open window beginning. Longhorns looking to bring in another top five class for Steve Sarkeesian and this staff. 
Uh, also, obviously, then the uh, beyond that, it's time to get ready for Washington and the uh, national semifinal. Get your tickets now uh, for that one. And uh, yes, tickets are pricey, by the way, not cheap to get to New Orleans. Oh, we know not, that. They're not going to be cheap to get to New Orleans, and they're going to get even more expensive if they go to H-Town. Well, so. if, you're, if you're trying to get to New Orleans, you're also competing with those who want to be in New Orleans for New Year's, right? Just the general Ooh. party guys that want to ring in the New Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, – you know, it's it's always fun, but yeah, it can get a little costly. Hey, Rod, the uh, the bullish or BS? Can I ask you and Ty, bullish on whom to win the Heisman Trophy, and whoever you think will win it, is that the person you would vote for? Uh, bullish on both topics, Ty and Rod. What do we think here? Um, that's uh, good. I'm gonna go bullish on. So who I think? I'm gonna go bullish on Jaden Daniels to win it. His stats are better than everybody else. Mind-boggling. Under the idea of most outstanding seasons. It's been a while since somebody with that many losses, though, has won a Heisman. That's the problem. But, man, I just don't see anybody being particularly outstanding this year. Right? Who's – I mean – Michael Penix. I mean, and if you take it bodily, body of work, and the fact that he beat Oregon twice and and 13-0 on top of 11-2. And and I know it doesn't matter about last year, but just the consistent performance and – you know, big big plays and uh, did you say the somebody team. at the position has been better? That's true. That's, that's so good. crazy to say somebody in the position has been better. That's on the same stage with you, but I'm gonna give it to you because, hey, you know what I mean? You got an undefeated team. It's just weird. I don't know. I, I said it. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I'd give it to Jaden Daniels this year. Ty, who are you thinking? Yeah, Jaden Daniels is the uh, odds-on favor right now at minus fourteen hundred. So I'd, yeah. I'd say he's probably uh, the lock. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think I would also if if I was. If I had a vote on the committee, I'd, I'd probably pick him too. I, I mean, he's had an incredible season. That defense just has held that LSU team back. Yeah, he can't play defense. That's that's the argument for him. <laughs> but when he threw forty touchdowns and four picks, he also four picks, man. That's, he also is a, a, and a runner. He's a runner. He's got he's almost accounted for six thousand yards. <laughs> I was like, how do you bet I got on the same stage yeah. with Penix and go, I'm going to give it to you, Penix. Why? Because you're good and your team's undefeated. Well, no, he is good. I, I love Michael Penix. I think he's fantastic. Whole, I think Jay Dance is a better player. The whole argument behind Bo Nix, too, is like, well, he has a 78% completion percentage. And say, so if you watch Oregon this year, I mean, Nick Shuley talked about this all, all week last week when you're gone, Rod, but half of Oregon, more than half of Oregon's passes are like at the line of scrimmage or. Yeah, short passing game. Yeah, short right. passing game. He's a, yeah, he's a yak, lot of yak yards. They're trying to hurt Purdy with that right now for his MVP candidacy, but I believe his rate, uh, at least his percentage of yak yards, are fewer than previous MVPs. But you're right, a lot of that is that Bo Nix offense. Yeah, or oh, an Oregon offense, I should say. Yeah, and, you know, it's shades of Lamar Jackson's year when he played at Louisville, just kind of video game numbers. What, Jay Daniels? Yeah. Yes. 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 He's is, actually he's gotten some comparisons. Is uh, Lamar Jackson the last player to win it with, like, multiple losses and not really being on a – a team that's in, in the yeah. national spotlight. Three or more losses. I don't yeah, know how many a, team, how many losses they had that year, but I know they definitely had more than one. Yeah. Now yeah. you're right about that. You usually don't win it when you have at least three losses, and that usually puts you out of the conversation, especially at quarterback. But Jaden Daniels' numbers is just freaky, man. Well, and then you would. It was like when Michael Vick was at Virginia Tech. You would watch Lamar Jackson, and you're like a video game. And Jaden Daniels is the same. Uh, I said six thousand. He he accounted for right around five thousand total yards running and throwing. And 50, 50 touchdowns. <laughs> That's what I, was I don't know how you don't, it's, but, I mean, they, they could just go with the traditional best player on the best team that's in the Heisman, and then you get Penix. That, that would be Penix. Statistically-wise, it's a better year than Joe Burrow's Heisman year, if you look at him side wow. by side. Wow. 
which is yeah, arguably yeah, the best quarterback, yeah. uh, best statistical season by quarterback ever. Yeah. So yeah, between he and Vince Young in 2005, those are the two that stand out. Because not only did you put up those huge numbers, you also your team averaged 50 points a game, and you won huge games, right? You won, you won big games, massive yeah. games. And yeah, those Heisman moments. That's what Jay Daniels is missing. Yeah, that is no Heisman moments because no. nobody gets a chance to watch them really. Yeah, uh, and the de- they, were, they were all shootouts. I mean, mm-hmm. it was only, speaking of video game, there was not a lot of defense played, and that's what Brian Kelly has to try to fix. Yeah, Who would have thought that uh, Brian Kelly would get to LSU and all of a sudden they'd have no defense? Um, You're right about that. <laughs> now he yeah. has a quarterback. I mean, they, for years they didn't have an offense, and then Joe Burrow and Joe Brady come along, and now they got offense, but they don't have defense. It's like, oh, come on, y'all get two. If y'all get it at the same time, y'all about to go on a dynastic run. Well, and there's also <laughs> this argument. And again, the voting goes regional, right? So – could you split some regions? You know, there are those who believe Marvin Harrison's just simply the best player in college football, just the best player. Now, I don't yeah. think he's going to win it, but, you know, he's going to be the highest draft pick, whether that matters. You know, he's going to go top three. That? Well, if you yeah. want to take a flyer on him right now, it's $10 to win 2000 So, And I, I just – I he needed a, a, a another big moment in the Michigan game, right? If they had beaten Michigan, he had a big touchdown catch. I know he didn't play bad in Michigan. He played well. Um, but – Either way, that's that's probably not going to happen for him. Um, and, you know, I think it's Jaden Daniels. I think y'all are right. I think the numbers just in this year, which, you know, just like the college football playoff, it's unlike any other year we've seen or very few like it. Yep. You go with the guy who's got 5,000 total yards and 50 touchdowns <laughs> in the SEC. against Good Exactly. <laughs> Those numbers, you say, you're like, how does he not win the Heisman? That's crazy. Crazy. Uh, 149.2 passer rating. He also led the team in rushing and rushing touchdowns, 8.4 yards per rush. You know I mean, the, who may have been the last four-win team with a Heisman Trophy lost winner? For, lost. For, sorry, for a lost team with a Heisman Trophy winner? Uh-uh. Um, it might be the Gators with Tim Tebow. Oh, walks on water. Oh, seven. Walks it might on have water. St. Tebow. Caleb Williams, they lost three games. They USC did, last, did year. last year. You're right. Not even a finalist this year. Yeah. Uh, won't play in the holiday. But we'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Rolls on.